live from the DraftKings Sportsbook and Wild Rose Studio. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. The PSAs you hear on Miller and Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller and Condon. Welcome back to Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 on the FM dial. Zubin Mahente from ESPN will join us in about 20 minutes. Look forward to our weekly conversations with Zubin. We get Wade Looking Bill uh, a bunch during the uh, basketball season. Let's get him on right now. We've got Michigan State. Uh, Wade, good to speak with you as always. Boys, Michigan State is 13th in a 14-team conference. They're not that crazy. It's crazy. nuts. Thanks for having me on. And I tell you, it's it's not just that they're losing; they're just they're getting embarrassed. Yes. I mean, it is just that that record score score was unbelievable. Now, really, was so. What do we make of this way? Because you know, Trent and I, with uh, we'll, I don't have to go back too far. Yeah, but it's Izzo, and mm-hmm. once the calendar flips to February, don't overlook them. You know what? Yeah. At your own peril, boy. I think you can. I think you can draw a line right through them, Wade. Is, are they still dangerous with him at the with Izzo you know, at the helm? I I think we'll learn a lot tonight. You know, I think it's just something where it, it is. They are a a wounded animal and. You know, even that game Sunday, I was watching a little bit of that against Ohio State, and it just was two different teams. Ohio State's pretty good. They, that's going to be a tough test Thursday. But, but Michigan State's got talent. I, I just think that they they have maybe, you know, three pretty good players, and then then there's a drop-off, you know, and it's just not where they have seven deep and, and multiple Mr. Basketballs from Michigan. And it's just they're, they're just not very good. It's just really alarming, or noticeable, I guess, is yeah. a better word. Or both. Yeah, and when you go up against... Now, that Mich- being said, <laughs> I was I was got to get them tonight. They just yeah. have to have this win, and these next three are really crucial, because mm-hmm. they're 0-2. Frederick may or may not play, but I think they really missed him more than people thought. Yeah, having that shooter on the outside, it's a big, big difference, and... Just the way that people are checking Bohannon now and the aggressiveness there because of that. And even if Frederick's able to go, you're seeing teams more and more not letting Bohannon do anything. Now, he's been a marked man throughout his career. People know he can shoot it. Can you make a case that it's time not to bench Jordan Bohannon or do anything like that, but try to find him ways to get involved differently? Either have Connor, Connor run the point a little bit more when they're out there together or even get Tucson a little bit of playing time with Bohan and then playing that two position. Do you think that's something that could get Bohan and jump started again? Yeah, I, I think they just got to get his confidence back. You know, he he was 0 for 9 against Indiana, and he was a little better that second half against Illinois. He hit a couple threes, and you know, it's just it's just something where um, they just got to find a way to get him some really good open looks, and then defensively. They they got to find some help for him defensively, and and you know that um, I would assume was a pro. I mean, yeah, those, those guys are good, and those guards from Indiana are, are are actually pretty good, and they're athletic. And I think that's where they miss Frederick. You know, TJ's a strong kid, six three and two hundred pounds. And but with but if yes, if I was going to make a run in March, and if 
if they want to make a deep run, they, they've got to find a way to get something from Jordan. Yeah, they do, because he was, what, he was scoreless, and then they held him without a point in the first half. I think all six of his points uh, came in the final 20 minutes in Champagne the other night. Um, just from a from a fan perspective, watching that game, Wade, you know, look, you're, you're more than a fan, I get it, you wore, you wore, the, you know, you wore the uniform, but... Uh, boy, it was entertaining as hell, right? Big Ten on a Friday night, and we got Iowa and Illinois back and forth. Um, you know, I think, what was it? The Hawks were down by a couple at halftime. Where's the tide? Whatever it was. It was a five-point game uh, at the end. Uh, it lived up to it, did it not? I thought it, it was great. It was it was the marquee game in college basketball that night. You know, all the all the pundits and the national guys were, were, were tweeting about the game. Um, and I think, I, think, I think Iowa got better. You know, they... They got beat on the road to a top fifteen team. There's no, there's no shame in that. Now with that, with that IU game on whatever it was at home, that's when they got to win. Mm-hmm. So you just look at this schedule, get a win tonight, Ohio State, and they have to win Sunday on the road. But um, you know they're, they're being exposed a little bit. I mean, if Garza hasn't gotten thirty three or twenty nine these last couple games, he only only gets twenty four, twenty five. They got to find a way to find ten more points from from somebody else. Wade, looking, Bill, joining us, former Iowa Hawkeye. Wade, you know one thing that jumps out is uh, reading through the transcript yesterday from Coach McCaffrey and talking about and hearing the players also talk about what practice was like here over the last couple of days trying to get back. I think they took Saturday off and then got back at it on Sunday, but. Taking back-to-back losses, you played on good teams. You played on ranked teams. You played on teams with big-time expectations. When you lose a couple of games, what those practices can be like, and they said certainly the most locked-in and physical that they've had this year. I, I think that's great. I, I, I think you have to do something to kind of get that to get that rust off and get that get that stink off. You know, it's something mm-hmm. where this is going to be a, a perfect setup these next six weeks if they can play. Basically, almost almost every other day, mm-hmm. that's what you want as a player. You know that this time of year practices get get shorter. You do you do less full court things, more half court stuff because you got to save your legs. You know because those guys are playing so many minutes now, and the season's so long. You want to be fresh, but when you're playing bad, you still got to come out and have a hard practice that next day on the court to get rid of those bad habits, or else you're going to carry them over. You know, I, I thought they played pretty good against against Illinois, and Illinois is a really good team. I thought the officiating was really odd. You know, I, I think Luca Garza almost has this Shaquille O'Neal type of type of aura with 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 the refs. I mean, he gets fouled almost every time, and they just will not call it. And it's just something where I don't know if they just are letting that go because it's him. Um, it's just really strange. He does look like a man amongst boys some nights in the paint, and these are big men he's going up against. Uh, you're just your thoughts on Keegan Murray. It's his first start. He certainly didn't look out of place. He's been one of the look in a season that's got a lot of bright spots. Um, he, he's been one of them that I don't think anybody saw this coming, right? That, and I get why he's in the starting lineup, but he certainly didn't look out of place at all, Wade. He didn't. He didn't. You know, he took that one right to the rim, and he doesn't back down at all. I just love his demeanor. You know, he never smiles, never gets upset, never frowns. It's just it, it, it's just that same kind of stoic, almost almost like Joe Wieskamp, just very similar. Mm. And he's got a bright future. You know, I guess wingspan is like 6'11", and, and he's long, and he, he can shoot it a little bit. That's only going to get better. Um, I, I think, and, and, and even with his brother Chris, you know, Chris hasn't played much, but, but Chris is left-handed. It's just kind of a... 
he's going to get there too. And I think with those two guys getting better and the, the younger players improving, you know, this won't be just to hopefully just won't be one year where I was really good. They can keep building on it. We saw Tony Perkins come in and give good minutes. Yeah, We've did. seen Aaron Euless come in, especially against Rutgers, that road victory. They've had to go that route before. The program that Fran McCaffrey has built, what he has done with this program and and the sustainability that it looks like that it has. This recruiting class was not highly regarded. None of these guys were ranked in the top 100 or top 50 nationally coming in, but the cupboard certainly does not appear bare. The job Fran McCaffrey's done, Wade, you watched the Licklider era. It was bad. Where they are here 11 years later, I think something to still be commended. I, I, absolutely. You know, I, Iowa is not it's – it's a tough place to recruit because you have to get guys like – Jeff Horner, Greg Bruner, and Adam Haluska. You know, guys that, that want to stay in the Midwest that are really good players, but then if they get a notch above that and you're Harrison Barnes or Marcus Page, then you go to Kansas or North Carolina. So it's it's a really tough place to attract kids, and you have to find kids like Luca Garza, who was, I think he had a Louisville offer maybe, but he was a top 100 kid, barely. Um, Aaron White, you have to find kids like that. And then you have to sprinkle in, you know, C.J. Frederick and maybe Peyton Sanford, who's, you know, 6'8 and can mm-hmm. shoot it. You have to get kind of a mix of guys that I was their first choice and their, maybe their, their top offer, so to speak, as far as power five. And then you have to find those, those diamonds in the rough and have to have them develop, have to have them develop every year. You know, I want to go back with you. The way back machine. When when Tom Izzo was an assistant, when when he was coaching, well, under of course he coached um, was, was the was the head coach, and Tom was an assistant. Yeah. What was he like back then? Do you remember him as an assistant coach during your playing time? I I do I do. You know, him, Judd Heathcote is is unbelievable. I mean, he's an old school guy. There was a time we played them one time just real quick, and and I think it was at at, at Carver and. Um, it was a call and didn't go their way, and the ball came rolling to him, and he and he slammed the ball down on the ground. This is this is this is Judd Heathcote slammed the ball got down on the ground, kind of in disgust, and he didn't catch it quite right, and it ended up hitting him in the nose, and blood started gushing out of his nose. I mean, it was something where it, it was funny because he because he wasn't hurt, and it just was one of those silly things. But um, Izzo has always been the same way. I mean, just loud and animated you know as an assistant coach you're, you're not quite that way because you're not the the top dog so to speak but he's always been that way and i tell you you know i still think he'll get it done with this team now they they're gonna have to fight to give it even get in the tournament but you know, they, they still have enough talent to get in and really this year who are you really scared of are you, are, are you scared of maybe gonzaga you know, but mm-hmm. Baylor is not going to play a meaningful game for two months. Yeah, that conference point. is bad. That's true. Okay, I think Baylor's really good, but then after that, they've got Texas really tonight. That's going to be a hell of a fight, Nova boys. In the second round, I don't know, maybe. Yeah. As we're in the uh, looking back, I will annoy for you, Wade, playing in those games. Andy Blanking Kaufman hitting the shot. Uh, uh, it just the memories that came back. I saw Dion Thomas did the voiceover for their hype video before the game that on Friday. Yeah, I mean, just a little shot. salt in the wounds there with Dion Thomas, mm-hmm. a guy that, of course, we know everything with him and Bruce Pearl. Take us back though when you were playing in that rivalry because the rivalry is back. It's building back to that level. But even Friday night, 
it wasn't the same contentious level we saw a year before, which I was fine with. It was just good basketball, which is okay. But when you were playing in that game, just how bitter the rivalry was. Yeah, so I remember my freshman year at Iowa, and that was when Eddie Hort was a senior, Roy and B.J. Armstrong, and Eddie was from Springfield, Springfield Lanphier. And so he was kind of one of those downstate Illinois kids, and Illinois had all kind of more of the Chicago public school kids. You know, they had um, Kendall Gill, and they had um, Eric, or Anderson played, played at Simeon, um, um, Doc Liberty from Martin Luther King. So... So Ed, Ed, Ed did not like those guys, and they did really did not like Ed, and it was a battle. We, we, we battled with those guys my freshman year. And my sophomore year, we weren't very good, but they were still the flying Illini, and, and it just it just is something where I think when I played against Illinois, it was really the strangest thing. Um, there were numerous teams in Illinois where every scholarship player was from Illinois. Those in-state kids did not leave the state, whether you were a public school wow. kid or, you know, Western suburbs kids, they all stayed in state. So you played against those kids a lot growing up, whether it's AAU ball or tournaments or things, and then all of a sudden now you're playing in college. It was a lot of fun. Hmm. Well, There's you know, plenty of reasons for them to stay at Illinois, though, too, but that that aside. Sorry, go ahead, Ken. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. little wink there. Uh-huh. Um, Chevy Blazers and the like. Right. So, yeah, so the, conf- yeah. the conference overall, Wade, I mean, Michigan's on pause right now. They, they still up uh, there. They, they lead the way. Is there a team in the middle of the pack that you're looking at that uh, maybe is getting a little bit overlooked now? I mean, Trent's been on Purdue for two weeks. I've, I'm late to the yeah. party, but I'm all over them. They're now ranked. Is there somebody we're missing in the conference? I know you mentioned Ohio State is going to be a tough game, and it is, but they're way up there. They're ranked ahead of Iowa now, are they not? I believe they yeah. are in yesterday. Yeah. Uh, who are we missing? Yeah. Well, I think I think Trent called it. I, I think Purdue had a, had a really good week last week. They got a couple good wins. Um you know, I still think Wisconsin's going to get it together. I don't Do know you? what they—they they don't have a lot of firepower, right. but it just seems like every year they—they they get it done. I, they just—they have trouble scoring, and they're just that—that—that that, that system is really awful to watch. Um, Minnesota's struggling. I, I know I, I called them out last year or last week as kind of a sleeper team, but again, you know. I think the Big Ten champions are going to have five, maybe six losses if they can get all the games in. And it's just something where, you know, um, Penn State beating who they beat last week? Wisconsin. They upset. What's that? Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You know, so it's it's just something where you have to survive. You know, like this week with Iowa, they've got to get two wins. I don't know if it's going to be how it's going to fall, but they with the games Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday, they have to get two of those wins, but. I guess to answer your question, I, I like Purdue. I, I think just the way they guard, mm-hmm. they have some really good freshmen are getting yep. better. Yep. They got some size. And Matt Painter, just defensively, there might not be anybody better in the league than him. Wade, I know you're doing some high school basketball again this year for Mediacom. And what do you see? You mentioned Peyton Sanford over at Waukee. Who's the best team that you've seen at this point here, at, at least the 4A level in central Iowa? Yeah, yeah, I've seen Waukee play a lot. I, I, I saw the Johnston game where they got beat. Mm-hmm. Um, now Tucker didn't play that game, and uh, Malik Allen, now the the transfer from North, is playing too. They have the most talent. I mean, they're they're by far and away the best team. They beat a good Valley team on Friday. Beat them really bad. They play Centennial tonight, who's who's actually pretty good too. Um, but you know, besides there, Johnston's got good players. Um, but I think on the eastern side, Cedar Falls. They got 
two UNI recruits, and they've got a sophomore and a junior that are they're probably high major, mid major types of kids. They got some talent, um, but here in Central Iowa, I think it's Waukee, and then everybody else. But it just takes one game. You know, it's, again, it's it's not a seven game series where you got to beat them. You know, three or four times. Um, anybody's susceptible, but Waukee has, by obviously, by far and away, the most talent. Wade Looking Bill, former Hawk, joins us and does a whole bunch during the season. We're grateful, Wade. We will impose on you again next week. Thanks for doing this, Wade Looking Bill. Have a good rest hey, of your week. Time, appreciate. It. Thanks, guys. Good to talk to you, Wade Looking Bill. Uh, as we check in on Iowa and Michigan State, uh, I was did I see nine and a half. Is that what it's down to? I think Leistikow just tweeted nine and a so half, ticking down a little bit. I saw initial surge of money on Iowa least moved uh, the number and I saw one of the first numbers I saw is about 70% of the money. I have to take a peek at that before we get out of here, see where that public money's coming Who Who uh, We might get Stephen Bardo on FS1. I would guess, yeah. Um, they've got another uh, game I think uh, an 8 o'clock tip as well. Um, who does he work with? It, it changes all the time. It does, yeah. Because they got him, he's part of the rotation, you'll hear. Kugler? Uh-huh. Who's really uh, that'd good. Be a good? That'd be a good team. Those two tonight? Mm-hmm. Uh, Six o'clock though, and they had to move the Wisconsin Penn State game was originally scheduled. That's what I saw on my Direct TV when I was trying to figure out where it was going to be parked. And then they moved that to BTN, I think, at like seven thirty, something weird like that. So all kinds of moving parts. This is something we're going to have to get used yep, to. Indeed, we will uh, get uh, you a keyword right now before we talk to Zuba Mahente. It's time for that. Another thousand dollars slam dunk. Text the keyword "fun" to two hundred two hundred right now. It's your chance at a thousand dollars. Fun to 200-200. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. Zuba Mahente joins us from Snowbound NYC when we come back on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106.2. KXNO. Trek Hadden here to let you know my good friends at Renner's Warehouse are in heavy demand right now in Des Moines for three reasons. One, the rental market is booming. People rent during uncertain times and homes are getting leased fast. Two, with professional video marketing and self-showing technology, Renner's Warehouse meets all healthy and safety guidelines for our social distancing world. And three, with regulations changing so quickly, more people are learning that using an experienced property manager is far less stressful than trying to do everything yourself. Now is not the time to DIY or mess with inexperienced property managers. For a low, flat monthly fee, Renner's Warehouse will take the grunt work off your plate with no upfront fees and no paperwork or 3 a.m. maintenance calls. Plus, they can help you turn your part-time rental into a full-time cash flow machine. And if you're a real estate agent, they're offering cash payments for referrals. Go to Renner'sWarehouse.com to book your free home rental price analysis today. Or call 515-528-4429. That's 515-528-4429. Renner's Warehouse, Des Moines. You'll always like family. Tuesday, Miller and Condon, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM, as we take you until noon. Right now, we're going to take you east to New York City. Here's meteorologist, meteorologist Zubin Mehente with the latest weather update. Hello, Zubin. Trent and Ken, how are you? Well, I'm going to double check this forecast with my guy, Brad Edwards. Or, or that ain't Ed boy. But uh, <laughs> it's. It's crazy, crazy, crazy here. But I'll give you the spirit of New Yorkers. I mean, how bad the snow got here. I walked to work every day at about 5 a.m. And yesterday I was like, all right, I'll have the street to myself. I mean, I mean, it was impassable. 
And sure enough, right behind me, here comes the jogger. I mean, it is 5 a.m. on a Monday. Give it a rest, man. Really? I got it. You got to get out there seven days a week. But And I will tell you yesterday, too, as bad as it got yesterday, just on a whim, because New York's different, I called two places, and I live so close to everything. I don't do Grubhub or any of that. I just go pick it up. I got to get out of the house a little bit. And the first two places I called, despite everything going on, open for business. Of course they were. So how many inches is the is New York going to get? Is there, are you going to get two feet, Zubin? It could get there. Um, it, would, it had been a half decade since we got 12 inches. I look out the window right now. It's flurrying again. It had stopped for most of the morning here in lower Manhattan, but uh, it's all up and down here. Our folks at ESPN, which is two hours north of where we are, they got socks as well. So I'm looking out the window right now. It looked like we had arrested, but it's, it's coming down again. <laughs> uh, Zuba, I want to talk about uh, your week. And, um, you know, normally you guys, the, the ESPN has such a massive presence the entire week uh, at, at the site of the Super Bowl, uh, whether it's ESPN Radio or SportsCenter or all the shows, NFL Live, dot, 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 such a massive, massive presence. Uh, does it feel like you got shortchanged a little bit? I mean, your first year on ESPN Radio, look, I get it. The country, everybody's uh, got uh, some. Something like this that's that's different, but uh, do you feel shortchanged that you're missing out on on Super Bowl week, your first week at the helm of ESPN Radio? Um, it's it's hard to say. I mean, I just think we probably aren't going to travel again. And I think I'd mentioned this once on your show, but I, I think we were under the assumption we weren't going to be traveling at least for another year, maybe Super Bowl Fifty Six. Um, so we kind of had braced for it. It would have been nice to have gone there, even our Sports Center. Uh, contingent is very small. I saw Sal Palantonio out there. He'll be on the show tomorrow. Diana Rossini is another one of our NFL reporters. But we're not sending the cavalry like we usually do. Um, but I will say something funny. You'd appreciate this in the radio world. We are doing a virtual radio row. So tomorrow uh, we're going to be going on with all the stations that we would normally just be sitting down with in Tampa. But instead, we'll be doing it on the phone. So it's not quite the same but we're trying to do our own version of Radio Row uh, tomorrow with all of our big stations across the country. may have started today, but I think in earnest tomorrow. I saw a picture yesterday. Uh, I think it was Michael McCarthy, longtime uh, USA Today media critic, sports media critic, a picture of Radio Row, what it looks like right now. They're in this huge warehouse. They are separated as much as you could guess, and then they have these pieces of plexiglass in between where the guest is going mm-hmm. to sit and where the hosts are going to be. They're still having it, but it's at a completely different level. Kind of wonder at this point, you know, for, oh, you got a former Super Bowl MVP walking around and yeah, they're hawking something. They're doing some kind of endorsement Sponsored deal. By somebody. But how many of those people are going to be around? Just how different it's going to be there? Your bosses at a national ESPN brand said it's not worth it. What's it going to be like for the little guys, Ubin? Yeah, I mean, I think it's one of those things where this is just, it's sort of like I would say for people, it's sort of like a convention. You know, this is where people get yep. together once a year, meet each other, and it's not really going to be that way. I was just told, um, I don't know who told us this. Somebody told us this. Um, I want to say Todd McShay said this to us last week when he was on, that they had actually paid the Senior Bowl, had spent, not the Super Bowl, the Senior Bowl, had spent $12,000 on plexiglass so they could have one-on-one interviews mm. at the Senior Bowl. I mean, that's how crazy it is. I mean, the Senior Bowl, to many is, I guess, the start to the path to the draft. And to your point, Trent, the Super Bowl is one thing or another. It's a gathering spot once a year for this or that. But even places like 
uh, the Senior Bowl, which generally don't have huge budgets down in Mobile, although I'll give them a ton of credit for actually holding it as opposed to doing it in any other way, doing it in person, they were putting up $12,000 with plexiglass to get interviews done. I think it's going to be one of those things where in many cases, like, you know, you go to, like, for example, today we had Ty Law on and, you know, we had to hawk his vodka, right? You know, yeah. it's one of those things where um, I saw a story that, you know, just gambling is going to be down on the Super Bowl because of the coronavirus. Advertising is obviously going to be limited. And if in many cases, um, you know, if in many cases a lot of these interviews are tied to some sort of uh, product, um, I think you could guess that in these times that would be lowered because there just isn't enough product to hawk out there. There's some very important causes. Like, you know, Kirk Cousins was on the show yesterday talking about human trafficking. I mean, he's talking about something really serious. But for many people that are just there to endorse a product or wear mm-hmm. a shirt with something on it, yep. you know, uh, with the product, I think that that's probably going to be in less demand this year. So it might just actually work out. Zubin Mahente from ESPN. Well, Zubin, let's get to the game itself. And, you know, as, uh, as I think I said a couple of uh, or last week when you were on, I just fear that the Chiefs are just so much better than Tampa Bay that this thing is, is going to be, and it's not going to be close. But, you know, the more I get into it and the more I look at this offensive pattern, work offensive line for Kansas City knowing that they're going up against a really salty defense in Tampa Bay headed by you know Shaq Barrett's going to get after the quarterback and I watch Mike Remmers with my own two eyes uh, in the in Levi Stadium just get like a swinging gate from Von Miller in Super Bowl 50 and here he is manning the left tackle position and they've got so many guys out of place uh, Patrick Mahomes not going to have any. I don't think he's going to have the time that maybe he's accustomed to. Not that he needs a lot to get the ball out. This game's got a chance to be close, Sue, but I'm coming around. Yeah, I think it is. I, I think to your point with Schwartz being how good he is, Doctor Tardif, um, everything that you said. I mean, their backup centers on the COVID protocol list now. Assembly's injury, which is literally one of the more gruesome injuries I've seen in recent times. Uh, you're right; it's a patchwork offensive line for sure. And maybe the Bucks can take advantage of it. You know, we were we were talking about this morning. We had a lot of different reaction on our caller line and on the text line. You guys can answer the question as well. Um, more impressive to you, two Super Bowls, 40-plus, or two Super Bowls at 25? Most of our experts, mm. our, our football people, chose 40. Jeff yeah, Saturday would. chose 40. All of our guests chose 40. But what we found was, if you were like 30 or younger, normally we just ask where you are and where you're calling from. But today we asked that and just to give us your age. And we did find that most people, about 30 or younger, were all on board with Mahomes <laughs> 2 at 25. And we actually had a couple of callers from Iowa today. And the others were, you know, for Brady. But, you know, the way I, I, I laid it out is if you have two, let's just call it a hypothetical number, 208 to go in the game. 208 to go, we're tied. You got the two-minute warning or whatever timeouts you have. I think it would be fascinating, amazing, to watch Patrick Mahomes probably complete three passes, they kick a field goal, and win the game. And I would be like, well, here he goes. But wouldn't it be something with 2.08 to go, if it's tied, we're at Raymond James Stadium, mm. and Brady makes that slow march onto the field to meet the rest of the huddle at his own 20 with a touchdown or something like that needed to win? Uh, and then Jay brought up this morning, Jay Williams, like, at that point, he won't do it because he obviously talked yesterday about going beyond 45, as I'm sure you know. But to me, that's, that's your Elway, that's your yep. Jordan against the Jazz, that's your Jerome Bettis moment. I don't think it's going to happen. Um, he had one of his old teammates, Jake Paquette, who played with him at Super Bowl 49, 
uh, come out yesterday on Twitter. Very accomplished guy. Was in the military, Georgetown Law. And he asked Brady after Super Bowl 49, he played in Arkansas as the 90th overall pick. And he said, you're going to retire after you win Super Bowl 49. And he told Paquette, I'm just getting started. I guess he wasn't, I guess he wasn't kidding. So I think that that's really interesting to me. Like that would be the ultimate walk-off moment. But I think everybody knows, even if that yeah. would somehow happen, he'd be back next year. And I mean, I think football is oxygen to him at this point. Any more football, Ken, or can we jump into LeBron last night? I do want to get to that in a second, but a couple more on, okay, on, right. on, on the football. So, Zubin, is that the consensus? I mean, you you got so many NFL guests on there that this Super Bowl's all about Mahomes and Tom Brady, and do you believe that, because I've read this a bunch, and I, I'm not buying it, that this Super Bowl's more important for Patrick Mahomes to stake his claim that he belongs on some lists. That seems to be the scuttlebutt out there. I don't think he needs to win this game. Um, I mean, certainly would elevate his resume if he does. But are you, do you have you heard that this week, Subin? I had. That really came out. I, the first place I heard it was Tony Romo. Romo was on the media call yes. this week. And his rationale, for your listeners that may not be aware, his rationale was, um, and I agree with you, Ken, he's only 25. Uh, he won't be 26 until September 17th. Um, but his rationale was if he can't beat Brady now, he'll never catch him. And I, I, I was puzzled by that. I really like Romo, but I'm like, well, I don't know. I mean, he could have gotten another one in 2018 if things didn't go awry in the AFC Championship game. So that's Tony. Tony, And, and I, I respect Tony, and when he says something, it's obviously going to become a topic. But he basically said if he doesn't get one here, then he'll never catch Brady. I don't I don't think the math adds up on that one too much. I think he still has plenty of time to go. The other thing I think that uh, that may have been left unsaid was, let's just say they don't meet in the Super Bowl again if Brady gets this one, or by proxy Mahomes saying, excuse me, uh, Romo saying Mahomes doesn't get this one, then Brady would always have the head-to-head. Do you know what I mean? If there would be a situation mm-hmm. where Brady were to eventually retire, and he would be retiring sooner rather than later, and Mahomes are going to dominate the league... Um, that Brady would always at least have that one over Patrick Mahomes. So that's the only thing I could really think of there. But but I tend to disagree with that notion. But I, I do think because Tony floated it and he put it out there, it probably got a lot more run than it normally would. Zubin last night to LeBron James against the blonde lady in the front row. <laughs> the uh, The response by LeBron afterwards, which was hilarious, I thought. Having fans back, he was happy for it. It was a fun night on Twitter. It, it was an entertaining one. And it seemed like it was one that maybe could have turned a little bit ugly if the uh, the lady who was arguing or hollering at LeBron maybe went a different direction. I thought it was fun. It was a fun back and forth. Fans in the stands maybe a good thing for the NBA. Your takeaway from last night. Yeah, I would tell you two things. I think LeBron was very different in his postgame commentary, which has been, uh, you just said, you encapsulated it. It was fun. We needed the fans out there. I like that. After the game, though, he also went to Twitter and was far more serious. So it really depends on what you saw. If you saw the postgame interview, he was sort of talking about how he liked the back and forth, and that's what he needs. But then he went to Twitter and sort of got a lot more serious. So it really depends on what view you look at. Are you looking at? The uh, post-game where you're looking at his Twitter telling two different stories. The, the other thing I would say is, to me, this is just not the squeeze. That, pardon the pun here. The squeeze is not worth the juice here because I think right now there's only a handful of arenas where fans are present, and there are only a handful of fans at that. Certain teams are capping out at like 4,500, maybe 3,000 spectators, uh, even less than that in certain places. 
Uh, Atlanta traditionally has never drawn well unless somebody like LeBron or Michael were to come to town. It's really a, it's a pro sports city with a college sports feel, but I do believe that it wasn't worth the squeeze because if you have a handful of fans, yeah, you're making some money on parking and drinks and concessions, but it's not worth the cost of the fallout that the league is experiencing today, which is having their number one star, a guy that's never been afraid to talk about social issues, probably the biggest sports star in America, having to deal with the fallout of this. Because you're right, while it was seen as frivolous on LeBron's part, it actually has gotten a little more serious throughout the day. If that's a packed arena or the NBA is packed arenas everywhere, you know this is probably going to happen. It's 2021. It's the age in which we live. And if you're sitting as close as they were, you're going to be able to say things and LeBron's going to be able to hear them. But if you have a packed arena and you've been dying to get a packed arena and you haven't had one for so long, those are the things you just have to put up with knowing you probably made back a huge gate which you've been missing out on. But for them to hold this many fans, such a small amount of fans, negligible cash return for the Hawks on this morning, and to then have as a result of just a handful of fans making no money at the gate, Mm-hmm. To have to deal with this headache is just a little too much. Like I said, if the arenas were packed everywhere, LeBron shouldn't have to hear all these sorts of comments. But if this stuff is going to happen, you have to do it within the context of full arenas, full-throated fans. A ticket gives them a license to say whatever they want, mm-hmm. whether it's right or wrong. To be able to have this incident and to be talking about it today when there were just a handful of fans and virtually no money in the Hawks' pocket after last night, it was just an ugly scene that wasn't worth it at all. Uh, Zubin, I want to switch sports on you, and I know it's Super Bowl week. I get that. Um, and so, so maybe for that reason, um, the Major League Baseball, where we may be headed, might not be uh, on uh, on your show's radar. Have you? Uh, did you have any Major League Baseball uh, guests on uh, pursuant to the uh, uh, the league wanting to start late April, push back to a buck fifty four? The players saying no, they want no part of that. Are we headed for another? You know, back and forth, ugly labor between the the owners and the players yet again. Or is this something that you'll dig into more next week once the Super Bowl is has come and gone? We've touched on it a little bit. I know Buster only has been on some other shows. We've been pretty football centric, but I I think it's one of those situations where right now it appears as though spring training is going to start on time, uh, whatever that means for different teams. And then it's just a matter of, like you said, the nitty-gritty. The, one, the 154 for 162 is interesting. I think, I think maybe up until 1961, they obviously were playing 154 mm-hmm. games. Um, you know, playing the 154 to get the 162, the players have always asked for full salaries no matter what. There's some compensation to be had on games that are canceled. Like if games are canceled, the players want so money for those games, and that needs to be put up into the air and how that's going to be adjudicated because – you know, these seven-inning doubleheaders are one thing, but if you're trying to play somewhat of a regular season, I mean, 154 would essentially be a full regular season. You've got to take into account games uh, that might be canceled that may not be worth making up. Uh, at the end of the day, you know, in the NFL, they, they got through all 256 games. Yep. They did it. I think there was almost a million, I think 954,000 coronavirus tests mm. between, you know, August 1 and January 23, and they somehow got through it, but it wasn't easy. I mean, Look what they did to the Steelers. Look what they did to the Titans. And I think in, in the virtue of football, where you're playing 15 games over 17 weeks, those games got to get made up. But if you're playing 154 and most of your teams, you know, depending on what kind of playoff format they have this year, if they're going to do anything, um, that needs to be ironed out too. So I think right now they're going to be able to save face and say spring training is going to open. People are going to be there. We will get a taste of baseball at the start. 
And I think for the casual fan, I think most people think the start of spring training means the regular season is just around the corner. And that's probably a good sign for most people when they see pitchers and catchers. But I think we're, we're settling in for something long and ugly again. Remember, the CBA ends, I believe, December 1. It does, yes. Year. It's up. And that's when I think it's going to get super ugly. But based on last year, the 60-game season, I don't think either side is going to relent here anytime soon. Zubin Mahente from ESPN. Zubin, thank you. We will uh, talk to you in a week's time. Uh, enjoy the week. Enjoy the game. Uh, and stay safe. Thank you, Zubin. Thanks. We'll see you next week. Yep. Good to talk to you. Zubin Mahente, our friend from ESPN. Give us a little weather update on uh, New York City and uh, a whole bunch of sports information going around. So did you see the uh, the LeBron and the fan? Mm-hmm. Had that? I didn't even click on it. Yeah, I, I saw it on Twitter. Yeah. And... Flipped it on, had Sports Center on, and my wife was interested in that part. Okay. So it was like the first time Sports Center that her ears really pricked up. Was, Whoa, what's going on there? So I kind of told her the background that I'd read on Twitter about it. I got a kick out of it. It, it was a little normalcy. In, and it's what not it's having still, fans in stands, and the, yeah. and the audio carries. It's, just, it's, it's wild. There's just, yeah, there's nobody else around. Right. This lady just hollering and going nuts and. That I saw her on uh, on Instagram then afterwards, and she's going after LeBron. And I don't know. It was goofy. It was a little silly. A little normalcy. Always uh, a good thing. And it never hurts. We'll come back, finish things up. We've got Iowa State, West Virginia tonight, Iowa, and Michigan State tonight. We'll talk about them in our final couple of minutes. Is Trent playing either of those, or has he got something else tucked away that he can share with us. Miller and Condon, 1460 KX at 0-106. Slash Radio. The 55th big game is this weekend. 55. A game this big deserves a big prize, not just some trophy. To finish off the football season, DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is giving all players a no-brainer of an offer. To celebrate football's finale, DraftKings Sportsbook is doubling your money if a touchdown is scored in the big game. That's right. All it takes is for one touchdown to be scored Sunday night, and boom, bang, your money is doubled. Sounds like a no-brainer. And don't forget about DraftKings Big Game Prediction Challenge with up to $55 million in total prizes up for grabs. And instant prizes for everyone who enters the contest. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code KXNO to get a shot at doubling your money if a touchdown is scored in Sunday's game. That's promo code KXNO to get a shot at doubling your money during Sunday night's season finale. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Iowa only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash prediction dash challenge dash DFS for details. Gambling problem? Call one and washersystems.com. All right, welcome back, Miller and Condon. Final couple of minutes. COVID has decimated our economy, and this winter has been incredibly challenging. Folks have lost precious work hours or their employment altogether, and many are struggling to pay the utility bill and to put food on the table. In many households, it's heat or eat. If you can help or if you need help, visit foodbankiowa.org, foodbankiowa.org. All right, Trent Condon, couple of games tonight. Hawks are a nine-and-a-half-point favorite. The mm-hmm. West Virginia is about, I think, 11-and-a-half I saw. Keeps going up, too. Does it? If you like that number, grab it now. Oh, really? One of those. Huh? Because the clones are going to get, apparently, some of their guys back. Right. At now, least how many minutes one. can they play? Mm-hmm. What, where their legs are, physically, right. where are they going to be? And they played him. That was a tight, That was a close game when they played. Now, I don't, I'm don't. i not saying that that necessarily means tonight's will be. But if you had to on both of these. I would lay the points with the Mountaineers. Okay. 
And I would grab the points with the Spartans. Really? As bad as they are? Maybe it's a dead cat bounce where you just get him. I I can't bet against Izzo at this point. I got to see it. I got to see it with my Mm -hmm. own two guys, and though I've seen, they looked okay. The first half against Rutgers, they were there. They just got to make shots. And who's a good team to go against when you need to make some shots? It's the Iowa Hawkeyes. Uh, How about this one? Is, is, Is Baylor... On the cusp of getting knocked off unbeaten status tonight, they the, the, the Baylor like Texas, Texas is a good and it's a tight number. It's like five, is it not five, five, and, five a half. and a half? Yeah, I saw DraftKings has it at five and a half. I'm grabbing the points certainly there. Okay, also grabbing the points. My favorite bet of the night: Ole Miss hosting Tennessee. That Tennessee team, I watch them Jacqueline sometimes. Hyde. Oh, against Kansas Saturday night, great. Yep, you watch them week before, they looked awful. They look like they shouldn't be an NCAA tournament team. I think this is kind of a tricky spot for them. So grabbing. Ole Miss plus you can get four right now at DraftKings. All right, so a busy night. We'll we'll see. I think Baylor's got a. This is gonna be a good game. I've faded Baylor too much though, <laughs> and I you mean, feel pretty good for thirty six minutes. Right, right, and then it goes the other way. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Seemingly game in and game out. Well, enjoy the hoops uh, here uh, tonight. Both of them about to start at the same time. If you can't be in front of your TVs. Of course, the Clones play on one hundred point three. The Bus and the Hawks. On News Radio 1040 WHO. Murphy and Addy at 2, the Fanatics at 4 o'clock. Morning rush tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. We're Miller and Condon. We're here every Monday through Friday from 10 until noon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM.